Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here as we kick off not just a brand new week, but a brand new year. 2023, hello. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please check me out on social media as we kick off this new year. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and through social, I am at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show or anything, really. Let me know what's on your mind. The email address is Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. I read them all, I see them all, and I might read yours on the air. But I can't unless you send me one. So get to it. Hit those keyboards. All right, guys. Happy New Year. January 2nd, 2023. You know, I was saying the other day, 2023 really sounds like a sci-fi year, doesn't it? I don't know why 2020 didn't sound, 2021. I mean, we were in the middle of sci-fi with the pandemic and the response and everything. We were certainly in the middle of a sci-fi exercise, um, but those years didn't sort of hit the brain differently. But 2023 really kind of does, right? It sounds so futuristic. Welcome to 2023. I thought that we would have flying cars by now, didn't you? I thought that we'd all be Jetsons, but we're not. Um, and I guess we're all relying on Elon Musk, one man, to get us there. I don't know if he will. He's working on the electric side and free speech. So, by the way, um, Elon Musk was man of the year in 2022, and he is out there single-handedly taking on the entire regime and free speech. And have you noticed that all of the other tech oligarchs are very quiet, very quiet. We're going to get to all of this this year. I cannot wait to see what this year unfolds for all of us. 
Um, I'm actually, for the first time in about three years, excited about this year, which is a good thing. You know, I always talk about how we're happy warriors here on this program. That will never change. I will never stop being a happy warrior. Do I have my days and my moments where I'm like, oh man, of course, I am a human being. We are all human beings. We have our moments of depression and discouragement and sadness and frustration and anger. Of course, we're human. But what drives us on the show and what drives us going forward to save America is this happy warrior spirit. The founding fathers, Abraham Lincoln, they all went into deep funks, understandably so. That is the way the cycle of life works, whether it's in your own life or in the life of a nation. So we all have our moments, but overall, what drives us here is a happy warrior spirit. We are still in the greatest nation the world has ever known, and we are fighting for it every single day. That's what this podcast is all about. That's what we bring to the table on every single show is the fight, the fact that this nation is worth fighting for, the fact that we owe it to all previous generations, including the greatest generation that fought through the Great Depression and World War II to deliver us the most prosperous nation the world has ever known in the post-war boom, all of it. We understand the history of this country. We understand, we've got a depth of knowledge about this country that a lot of people simply don't have, and therefore they are not as invested in this country as we are. But we're here to educate those people about why America is the greatest and why it deserves to be brought back and why we are the army to do it. That's what this show is all about. If anybody wants to know the mission statement of the Monica Crowley podcast, this is exactly it. And I thought I wanted to bring it back to the forefront here in this new show, in this new year. And this is why I wanted to reset the table today as we enter into this brand new year, into this brand new week on the Monica Crowley podcast and on this brand new show here today on January 2nd, because this is a reset moment for us and for the country. I want to thank all of you for joining me. I know I said this before we closed out 2022, but I want to thank all of you for being here for every single Monica Crowley podcast. I am incredibly grateful, and I don't take any one of you for granted. I am extremely grateful that you're all here supporting the show and supporting all of our great sponsors that keep the show going. Really, without you guys coming to this podcast, telling all of your family, your members, your friends, everybody else to please come and download, subscribe, listen to the show. It is critically important for our future, our family's future, children, grandchildren, the future of this country. Without America as a beacon of hope and freedom, the world is very dark indeed. You know, you look back at Genesis and the world was, you know, when God first created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a dark, amorphous kind of thing. Well, without the United States of America as a great, booming, prosperous beacon of light, that's what the world is going to look like. Okay, we've had periods of darkness before. Let's not go back to it. That's what this show is all about, bringing the United States back 
so we can provide not just for ourselves and for our future, but for the world. Without the United States as a shining city on a hill, the world has nothing. So that's what this show is all about. I thank you so much for joining me and for being here. I'm really grateful to all of you, and I do thank you for telling all of your friends and everybody you know about this podcast. We forge forward, always, forever onward, always, and we look ahead. So today, I want to kick off this brand new year with a reset of where we are and where we're going. It's going to be something to see tomorrow because tomorrow you're going to have a new election for the Speaker of the House. And all of the drama, of course, is on the Republican side. We're going to give you a little peek into that. Also, Barbara Walters passed away. I've got a little fun remembrance of her. Um, she, uh, She was a little bit of a friend. I knew her not well, but I knew her socially and would have lunch with her now and again. And I've got a really fun story about how she used to play matchmaker for me. She, she became like, she said, I'm going to be your Jewish grandmother and I'm going to set you up. So she started setting me up on blind dates. Yes, Barbara Walters set me up on <laughs> blind dates. So I'm going to tell you a story about this at the end of today's show that you're not going to want to miss. Okay, that's Barbara Walters. Plus... A great preview into the political and investigative year ahead with the great John Solomon. He is just a premier investigative journalist and the editor-in-chief of Just the News, which if you're not going to every day, you should be checking out. So fix that right now, justthenews.com. He's going to be here to give us the inside scoop on what to expect from the new GOP Congress, the Biden White House, congressional investigations, and the 2024 presidential races. So we've got a huge interview with John Solomon coming straight up. You're not going to want to miss that. Okay, so first, to sort of set the table for the year, I want to come right out of the box with... What I identify as the five conduits of evil in the world today. By the way, if you did not listen to Jonathan Kahn's series with me last week here on the Monica Crowley podcast, I highly recommend that you go and listen. We did a special series with Jonathan Kahn last week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, of the dark spiritual forces that he believes are at work in the country today. It is a fascinating and riveting conversation with him. Again, that series, Monday, Wednesday, Friday of last week. If you haven't already listened, please do. Evil is real. And whether you believe that these dark forces are at work or not, I mean, the conversation will blow your mind. I promise you that. But evil is 100% real. So as we kick off a brand new year, I was thinking about where we are and what is actually happening here. And I identify five conduits of evil at work in the world today. Okay, there are five. Now there might be more. I may have missed some. And if I have, after you hear my little list here, Um, If I've missed some, email me and let me know other conduits of evil. Um, You can send me an email to monicacrowleypodcast at gmail.com. These are the five major ones. 
okay? And yes, there's evil everywhere, obviously. But to me, these are the five big vectors of evil at work in the world today. And this is in no particular order, okay? I just jotted them down as I thought about them. These are the ones that we are going to cover throughout the year. George Soros, big vector of evil. Klaus Schwab and his sidekick Yuval Hariri, in other words, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab and the Schwabies, as I call them, the World Economic Forum, huge vectors of evil. Xi Jinping, the head of the CCP in China, big vector of evil. Bill Gates, the Gates Foundation, he is a major conduit of evil. And finally, Larry Fink, the head of BlackRock, a big conduit of evil in the world. Again, there are more. We could talk about Joe Biden. We could talk about Nancy Pelosi. Obviously, there are a million conduits of evil in the world. But these are the five big central ones that are huge vectors that have international reach that are really destroying the world. So um, we are going to focus on these as we go through the year. We're going to talk about different aspects of what they are doing and how they are destroying freedom. In many ways, you are paying for it, particularly when it comes to the U.S. Congress. Um, Thank goodness that we've got a Republican Congress coming in as of tomorrow to stop some of this. Um, Don't put all of your eggs in the GOP congressional basket because we know the GOP is a hot mess. However, they will be able to stop a lot of this nonsense. But guys, these are the five big sort of transnational conduits of evil in the world today. There are others, obviously, the World Health Organization, etc. But if you want to chime in on my little list here, I'd be more than happy to hear from you. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. So that is sort of setting the table of where we are. George Soros, Klaus Schwab, and Yuval Hariri, the World Economic Forum, Xi Jinping, Bill Gates, Larry Fink of BlackRock. Those are the five sort of central pillars of evil at work in the world today. And as we go through the year, uh, we will really be focused on them. We are now in 2023. So again, Happy New Year. Today, I want to take a look at what's behind us and what's ahead of us. Okay, it is a new year. We should expect to see the same kind of nonsense, just worse in a lot of ways. Why? Because everything is corrupted. Every institution, every organization, every individual with any kind of power or authority is corrupted in America. That's point number one. Point number two is it is all intentional. So keep those couple of things in mind as we talk, not just today, but as we talk throughout the year about the five conduits of evil, everything that is at work in the country and around the world, that every institution that you once knew and trusted has been corrupted. It's all shot through with corruption and evil. And so all of the fallout, all of the consequences that you see, you've got to understand it is all intentional. Do not let anybody tell you that this is unintentional. It's just simply incompetence. There might be some things that you see that's just government or otherwise incompetence. But the overall narrative is straight up intentional. This is all by design. It is all 
uh, part of the grand project to fundamentally transform America as part of the Great Reset. So again, when we talk about those conduits of evil, they are all in on the Great Reset. The World Economic Forum is driving it, of course, but they are reliant on these transnational uh, pillars to move it forward, to advance it. And that includes Bill Gates. It includes Larry Fink and BlackRock. It includes Xi Jinping at the CCP, obviously. They're all in it. They're all in on it. They're all advancing it. They're all part of it. They're the leaders of it. So when you look at all of the mayhem and all of the disaster, whether it's here with the economy, which we're going to get to here in a second, or with uh, the border or cities in collapse, spiking crime, understand it is all intentional. It's all by design. And when you understand those two concepts and the five major conduits of evil, everything else falls into place. All right, let's hit a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about what's behind us and what's ahead of us, particularly with regard to everything here in the United States, things that are happening here at home, okay, including the speaker's race. So sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. All right, welcome back. Well, it is a new year. Happy New Year. And I do want to spend some time here today talking about what's behind us and what's ahead. Because as I mentioned in the last segment, we should expect to see the same, just worse. Because they are now putting uh, their grand project up on steroids. It's been accelerating for a while, but now it's really going to accelerate going into 2024 because they've made so much progress and they know that the United States really is the biggest of them all. So going into a presidential election cycle, you can imagine what's coming down the pike. Next year in 24 will be worse 
Look at what they did in 2020. They literally burned down the country and released a global pandemic to stop one man, Donald Trump. And of course, to advance a great reset. I've talked about this a million times before on this show. I will continue to. So as we go into a presidential election cycle, just brace yourselves because it is going to be worse. They have advanced too far to stop now. They're not going to allow all of their advancement to go out the window by allowing Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis just to walk into the American presidency. It is not going to happen. So brace. And that's what this show is all about, preparing you for what is coming. Um, uh, Let's start a little bit with the economy. I do want to get to the speaker's race here in a second and to the border and to the Republican Party. So let's start by taking it apart. Let's begin with the economy. The economy really suffered last year, you know, big time. And it's not about to have some big turnaround this year. Bank of America's managing director and chief U.S. economist, a guy named Michael Gapin, said on CBS's Face the Nation yesterday, quote, we're in a situation where the risk of recession is high. I would agree that the outlook by most people who sit in the position that I do think 2023 could be a difficult year for the U.S., By the way, all of the big uh, heads of banks and other big economic observers say the same thing, that this year is going to be very tough for the U.S. economy. I generally agree. There's so much inherent tension in the U.S. economy between the inflationary pressures, what the Fed is trying to do, raising interest rates, etc. There are so many dark things on the horizon that I think just make your base secure and buckle up for the economy. Last year, by the way, was the worst year for the S&P 500 since the 2008 financial crisis. Did you know that? Thanks, Biden. The stock market index fell by nearly 20%. Inflation constantly outpaced wages last year. And the Fed's fight to use higher interest rates to cut back the inflation that its own easy money policies caused will most certainly lead to a downturn. Everybody is saying that recession coming back up this year. Okay? So just be prepared. I always say make your base secure. Um, make sure your job is secure. If you don't have one now because you thought it was, oh, your great labor market. Well, it has been, but it's about to get worse, I think. Um, we're going to see more mass layoffs And you're going to be, you know, in dire straits if you don't already have a job and you need one and want one. So just do what you can to make sure that your economic and personal financial situation is as stable and as braced for impact as possible. Okay. Next up, the wide open southern border. Government stats show that a record 2 million plus illegal immigrants crossed the border in fiscal year 2022. That surge is not slowing down anytime soon. In fact, it's ramping up. Thousands continue to pour in across the border daily. In fact, we saw about half a million come in just since October. So those couple of months, October, November, December, we saw about a half a million pour into the southern border. This is completely outrageous, completely out of control. Whole countries are emptying in an effort to reach America. It's almost like someone took the earth and shook it, and entire countries are just like rolling their people right in. 
The New York Times recently had a piece called Cuba is Depopulating, Largest Exodus Yet Threatens Country's Future. The article notes, quote, over the last year, nearly 250,000 Cubans, more than 2% of the island's 11 million population, have migrated to the United States, most of them arriving at the southern border by land, according to U.S. government data. Even for a nation known for mass exodus, the current wave is remarkable, bigger than the 1980 Mariel boat lift and the 1994 Cuban rafter crisis combined. Until recently, the island's two biggest migration events. Well, I mean, guys, why wouldn't you try to come to America? We won't deport you. You get free health care, education, there's always work, and you won't even have to learn English. Massive Spanish-only speaking ghettos exist in every metropolitan area. Our country right now is so lawless that illegal immigrants just gave an on-the-record interview to the New York Post in an article that also included their photos. They're absolutely brazen because they know they're not going to be deported. Of course, it's not just people coming across. It's also drugs. This is a tsunami of drugs coming across, and Americans continue to overdose at historic rates, especially last year. Is relief coming for them in 2023 and their families? Well, certainly not at the border. The federal government got Arizona to remove shipping containers that they they put into place to form like an ad hoc kind of wall. That's where their priorities are. But it's not just about the border when it comes to America's drug problem. There is now an acceptance that it's fine to get high. It's okay to stumble through life stoned and dull. New York City rang in 2023 with the opening of its first recreational marijuana dispensary. As if New York City streets already don't reek of pot, and they do. I am there all the time. It is everywhere And it's disgusting. You can't walk half a block without going through a major cloud of pot. It's gross. The increasing legality and social acceptance of marijuana means more use. Adolescent marijuana use has increased 245% just since the year 2000. Now, obviously, pot isn't the same as fentanyl. But this overall acceptance is part of a broader trend of what were traditionally vices now just out there openly celebrated. No problem. It reaches to a much bigger picture. And again, keep in mind those two things that I told you. Corruption is everywhere. And everything you are seeing is intentional. This is about the intentional breakdown of the family unit, the intentional breakdown of the country. So all of this drama related to the breakdown of the family, the breakdown of the country, it's all related to the border, to the collapse of the economy, cities in crisis, all of this stuff. Again, what do I always say? It's all of a piece. And what do we have in terms of aggressive opposition to any of this, the controlled demolition of the country? Well, we've got the Republican Party, God help us. But we also have something going on in the Republican Party 
that has been going on for a while that is not going to slow down, and that is the giant divide within the party. We are still in the come down of the remarkable high that we felt before the midterms, and then the midterms gave us these disappointing results. After we were promised a big red wave, didn't happen, now we've got all of this finger pointing. Many people have decided to blame Trump. That's their prerogative. I don't believe that that is the case. I think it is the case of the Republican establishment leadership. Starting with Mitch McConnell in the Senate, they are the ones to blame, not Donald Trump. Donald Trump gets the base moving. President Trump is running in the 24 primary and others are obviously likely to toss her hat in the ring this year because they've got to start raising money and testing the waters. The only one who doesn't have to do that yet is Governor Ron DeSantis. Why? Because he's got a war chest of well over $100 million. So he doesn't have to get out there, test the waters. He knows what the poll numbers show, and he also doesn't have to raise money. So he is the only one who's holding back, and that's very smart of him. So we will have primary debates this year. Isn't that crazy? Probably starting late summer, early fall. And you're going to have this intra-party fight continue. But there's one very important thing to keep in mind during all of these fights. How close these key midterm elections were. Carrie Lake lost, and I use lost advisedly, because her election was a rigged election for the Democrat. Carrie Lake lost, quote-unquote, by just 17,000 votes. By the way, she's still fighting, and God bless her. God bless her for still fighting. Good for her. She is still in the court. She's going to take it, hopefully, all the way to the Supreme Court. Her election was rigged, but she lost by just 17,000 votes. Joe Kent lost his congressional seat by just 5,000 votes. Blake Masters in Arizona in that Senate race lost by just 25,000 votes. Despite such thin margins, people are calling for drastic measures and for the party to move back toward the center. That is complete nonsense. Blow all of those voices off. They are lying to you. We lost these races But when it comes down to just 5,000 votes, the issues are more about the mechanics of electioneering, the mechanics of campaigning, the mechanics of where, how we're running these races right now in this country and making sure that everybody is coming out to vote. That's what we need to focus on. Early voting, mass mail-in voting, ballot harvesting, ballot curing, all of those things That's what we need to focus on, okay? And that brings us to the speaker's race. We're going to cover this coming up with John Solomon, so don't go anywhere because he's got the inside scoop, but I just want to give you my main view on this. Has Kevin McCarthy been perfect? Absolutely not. I have not yet seen a great alternative to him, though. I have not. Now, tomorrow you're going to have a very dramatic floor fight. And they may have a mystery name of somebody who's freaking fantastic. Maybe they're going to put up Lee Zeldin. Maybe they're going to say, okay, after the first round of balloting, Kevin McCarthy doesn't have the votes. Voila, here's our person to the rescue. And it's Lee. Or they're going to try to bump up Steve Scalise. 
who's going to be the majority leader. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe it's Donald Trump. People have been talking about that, that they're going to unveil Donald Trump as the candidate for speaker. Well, holy hell will break loose if they do any of this, certainly with Trump, right? So I don't think that's the case. I could be wrong. They could spring a major surprise tomorrow. I don't know. But while Kevin McCarthy has not been perfect, he needs 218 votes. There are five major holdouts um, who are in the Never Kevin uh, group, and it's personal with them. I understand where they're coming from totally. But you have the majority of the caucus who are chomping at the bit, ready to go, on a whole list of legislative items that are critically important for the future of the country. So I completely get the frustrations with Kevin McCarthy. I get it, and I'm with you. But at some point, you've got to move. You cannot allow the pursuit of the perfect to be the enemy of the good. If they spring Jesus Christ on us tomorrow, I will be like, great, vote for him, and let's freaking go. But if they don't, if they don't have a surprise, letting this hang for too long is going to be detrimental to them personally, to the Republican Party, to the MAGA movement, and to the country. And at some point, you got to cut your losses. So unless they have a major, unbelievably great strategy, and they might, they might, we don't know. But unless they do, and they're pulling a rabbit out of a hat tomorrow, you better get with the program here. I share your frustration. I tear my hair out every day with McConnell, and the whole Ronald McDaniel race, which is coming up, which we're also going to talk about uh, as time goes on here, the RNC race. But this House speakership, guys, unless you have a brilliant move ready to go, you got to get with the program here. And do not let the search for the perfect be the enemy of the good. Scalise has released this incredibly bold agenda. I don't know how much they're going to be able to get uh, done. But they're talking about defunding the IRS. Certainly those 87,000 new agents that Biden wanted, defund that. They can do that immediately because the House controls the power of the purse. Restricting releases from the nation's strategic petroleum reserve, which is what the Biden team has been doing nonstop. They can do that right away. There are all kinds of things that they have ready to go some of which they can move on, like I said, immediately. They don't need the Senate. They don't need the Biden administration. They don't need anybody. They can just move. They're the House. Certain things will go to the Senate and they will die there. If by some miracle things make it through the Senate, Biden will obviously kill it. So there's going to be a lot of legislative frustration, which will be good in many ways. Just stop trying to help us, right? But there are certain things that the Republican House can do immediately, but not if you're hanging without a speaker. And God forbid the worst case scenario is you get a Democrat or someone who's Democrat friendly in there. So let's try to get our act together, guys. You know, after the first round of balloting, you made your point. Okay, you make your point. Good. We're all on board with you. We get it. But, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is McCarthy has made all of these concessions to them and to the Freedom Caucus, including the he has apparently agreed to the move to vacate the chair. In other words, making it easier 
for members to remove a sitting speaker if they so choose. He has now agreed to that. Very important. Is it enough? I don't know. So we're going to have all of this drama. And here on Wednesday on the show, we're going to take it all apart. It's going to be a phenomenal show here on Wednesday. But understand that the Democrats have their own internal battles, but they never let things hang like this. Our side is such a hot mess. We're such a hot mess. We got to clean that up too. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to the one and only John Solomon, who's going to give us the inside scoop on all of this. I can't wait to hear from him, so sit tight for that. First, so guys, we're in a new year, so listen up. Time to make your health great again, right? We are in this new year. It's time for New Year's resolutions, getting your body back in shape and getting healthier. For anybody looking to ignite their fat-burning metabolism, boost their energy, and transform how they look and feel, they've got to start by taking care of their liver. We just came off of Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's Eve, a lot of drinking going on, right? Your poor liver. Your liver is your body's master detoxifier. It performs over 500 key functions in your body every single day, including removing and cleansing thousands of harmful toxins, man-made chemicals, and yes, alcohol. After decades of wear and tear, our livers start to slow down and become sluggish. This is why so many of us struggle with weight gain and feeling tired all the time. Fortunately, there is a simple all-natural solution that I recommend. It's called Liver Health Formula. Liver Health Formula contains 12 powerful botanicals clinically proven to recharge and protect your liver at the cellular level. It helps restore your liver's detoxifying abilities, boost your energy levels, and can kick your natural metabolism into high gear. Liver Health Formula is backed by the latest science and approved by American doctors. And every bottle is manufactured right here in America. And right now, as a listener of our show, you can try Liver Health Formula completely risk-free and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you'll receive a free 30-day supply of nano-powered omega-3. This powerful blend of omega-3 fatty acids supports a healthy heart and brain with four times better absorption thanks to this special nano delivery system. You're also getting four free eBooks to support every aspect of your health and longevity regardless of age. Go to getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call them toll-free at 800 282 1757 to claim your risk-free supply of liver health formula and all five bonus gifts. That's getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call 800-282-1757. You're covered by their 365-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to risk. But supplies are limited, so head on over to getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call toll-free at 800-282-1757 now to order liver health formula and claim your five free bonus gifts while you still can. That's getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call 800-282-1757. We'll be right back.
Well, I am so happy to have as our very first guest of the brand new year, my dear friend and award-winning investigative journalist, John Solomon. John has had a long and distinguished career in journalism, and he is currently the founder, CEO, and editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com, which is the place to go for all kinds of breaking news and big investigative work you won't see anywhere else. You know, it used to be that the propaganda press actually did do some deep dives in investigative journalism. They don't anymore. Why? Because it all makes the regime look bad and exposes all of their crimes. Well, John Solomon and Just the News are not afraid of doing these deep dives and exposing the depth of corruption across the regime. So go to justthenews.com if you're not already. Go to it multiple times a day. You're, you are just going to be obsessed with this website. Go and check it out. He also hosts Just the News on Real America's Voice and the John Solomon Reports podcast. And I've got to say that I have been honored to be a guest on both recently, and they are both fantastic shows. He joins us now. John, welcome. Hey, Monica, Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you, too. And it's such a delight to have you as our very first guest of 2023. I'm honored to be so. That's great. It'll be a lot of fun to talk. uh, Absolutely, 100%. And you will be a regular guest on this show throughout the year. All right, so we've got a lot to cover with you today. Um, We really do want to set the table with you for the year ahead, and I want to begin with the new Republican Congress. It's coming into office tomorrow. The speakership may or may not be decided tomorrow. Certainly looks like we're headed for a dramatic floor fight over this position. Can you give us some insider information about what you're hearing? Yeah, it's an amazing fight. We haven't seen one like this in a very, very long time. And so Right now, there are about 20 Republicans that have some form of discomfort with uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy being the speaker. There are five who have uh, overtly come out and said we're not uh, supporting him under any circumstance. Last night, nine additional Republicans came forward and said we don't like all the – he hasn't made enough concessions. He's he's nibbled around the edges, but we were elected to bust the status quo, to do something very different, and Kevin McCarthy hasn't gone far enough – to try to force that. And so now he has, they're up to 14 that are openly declared. By my count, there are a total of 20. So there's six others waiting in the wings. And what, what McCarthy's been trying to do is incrementally give in on certain concessions and see if he can pick up the votes. It hasn't worked. And the most interesting sentiment when you look at this letter that came out last night from 14 lawmakers uh, was the idea that, hey, you've kind of been doing the old-fashioned inside the Washington game, which is give a little and see how many votes you get. Give a little bit. We want you to be bold, and that means make big concessions. We, we were elected to bust the status quo, to make a big difference, to not have Washington operate the way it's operated for the last 20, 25 years. You haven't shown us that you're willing to be that guide. Very powerful message 24 hours before uh, the, the first vote is. He does not have the votes as of this hour. As I just called a few minutes ago, He's quite a bit short in the votes. He's working to try to find out what concessions he made. But I think in part, the fact that he's making concessions this late is feeding into the narrative that some conservatives had that he would only make changes as he saw the vote count uh, fall in his disfavor. And so uh, a lot of these new Republicans, including several new uh, members of Congress, they want a disruptor. They want someone who's not going to keep the status quo. And Kevin McCarthy has not convince them that he's that guy. 
You know, it's such an interesting dynamic what's going on because in the past, it's true, it, they would just, the Republican caucus would just by default go with whoever put themselves up and became sort of the, the natural leader for the GOP. Right. We've, se- we've seen that a million times before, but this time, you know, you do have this, this group of lawmakers who are saying, wait a minute, you know, th- this is not 1987. This is not, you know, 2008. This is a different ball game now. And it's not just the Republican base that expects us to act differently, but it's also the country. The country is in a different place and we cannot go according to the rules as we have always known them. So this group of people, this gambit is only going to work in denying McCarthy the speakership tomorrow, John, if they have somebody credible that they're willing to put up as an alternative. And there have been rumors, everybody from Steve Scalise, who's about to enter as the majority leader, um, to a Lee Zeldin, because you do not have to be a sitting member of Congress to be the Speaker of the House, to a Lee Zeldin, to even a Donald Trump. Are you hearing any of those names like credibly being put forward as someone that they might try to advance if the first balloting for McCarthy fails? Yeah, listen, I think there are two names that keep coming up in in all the conversations I've had the last few days. One, of course, is Lee Zeldin, former congressman or soon to be former congressman and ran a very successful campaign for New York governor, uh, really outperformed expectations. He's a sort of guy that has friends on both sides of the party, the establishment side and uh, the conservative Freedom Caucus side. Very well respected. I think he's one person that people are whipping uh, uh, up and hoping that maybe if the first vote fails that he uh, would, would step in. Another one, of course, the favorite of the Freedom Caucus, one of its co-founders, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan has relentlessly backed uh, Kevin McCarthy, saying he's the right guy for the right time, and that he, Jim Jordan, would rather be Judiciary Committee chairman so that he could do the sort of investigations uh, that need to be done at the FBI, the Justice Department, all of the corruption we've seen. So he keeps taking himself out of the uh, picture, but I, I think once McCarthy fails, he's the sort of guy that the Freedom Caucus and uh, the establishment Republicans might turn to to uh, to see if he'd be willing to put his, his hat in the ring. So those are the two I would most closely watch in the next uh, 24, 48 hours. But nobody, like no sort of out-of-the-box, off-the-wall kind of candidate like a Donald Trump, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, some people would love to have Donald Trump, and they you might see his name forwarded uh, uh, into the mix just to uh, to take a vote and see what happens. But, I, you know, Donald Trump wants to be president in 2024, and I think that most of his supporters want him to, to reclaim the White House, and they, they're looking for someone that can run the Congress long term. And so uh, I, the two that I would most watch are, are Jordan and uh, Lee Zeldin right now, and then we'll watch and see, you know, the, these things sort of background deals. A lot of people forget this, but this, was, this is not unlike what the 1980 vice presidential uh, uh, drama was. If you remember, Reagan was going in, everybody thought he was going to pick Gerald Ford. He couldn't make a deal with Ford. Ford didn't want to make the sort of concessions that Reagan wanted. At the last minute, he picked George H.W. Bush and it surprised a lot of people uh, taking its vanquished uh, competitor from the primary. Uh, There's always that possibility that there's something that's going to happen. There'll be this lightning in a bottle moment and something out of the blue will come out. But right now, all eyes are on Jordan and Zeldin if McCarthy fails. Now, one dynamic to watch is whether or not McCarthy uh, is able to go and get some of his friends in the California delegation who are Democrats to vote for him to push him over the top. So 
that's one possible strategy for Kevin McCarthy, which is to go and see if any Democrats will cross over in the speaker's vote. Very interesting. I highly doubt any Democrat would cross party yeah. lines to do that. I mean, things are just so tribal and totally polarized they right are. now, John. So I You're can't, right. I, I don't, I just yep. don't see that happening. But what's no. so interesting is that this has been a very dramatic internecine battle Right. With the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's totally MAGA. She's supporting Donald Trump for president. MTG on the McCarthy side. And then other America First uh, members of Congress like Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates on the never Kevin side. So how is that going to work itself out, not just through this speaker's race, but how are they all going to get together to govern going forward? Yeah, listen, this is an interesting battle for the heart of the party. And I think that it's been going on for 10 years, uh, really going back to the uh, the second term of the Tea Party in Congress, where they realized that their leadership wasn't going to give them the things that they had promised their voters they were going to do. So it's been going on for 10 years. Some of this uh, that you're seeing play out is just personal loyalty. Uh, people like Jim Jordan and uh, and Marjorie Taylor Greene have built friendships with McCarthy and they want to give him the best shot. But at the end of the day, uh, they are the sort of uh, MAGA conservatives that are going to want radical change. They, they don't want $32 trillion deficits. They don't want all of the liberal spending that the, Democrat, or the Democrats and Mitch McConnell just allowed to get into that $1.7 trillion bill. So at the end of the day, whether they get McCarthy or not, they are going to be tugging into that America first shrink government movement that I think voters uh, voted for when they put the Republicans in control of Congress. I think that what you see with some of these unusual alliances are just friendships in Congress. It's a very personal neighborhood. And and sometimes friendships uh, trump some of the political uh, expectations of folks. Everyone would think, well, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, they're not they're not Kevin McCarthy type folks. But those personal bonds sometimes twist people into unusual alliances. And I think you're seeing that play out right now. And also, didn't they work McCarthy to get committee assignments and assurances from McCarthy that they'd be able to do the investigations that they want to do, whether it's on Hunter's laptop or on the border, Mayorkas, et cetera? Yeah, exactly. So they they won some real uh, commitments from McCarthy should he become speaker. And good for them. This is the way politics works. And we will see how all of this shakes out. On the Senate side, John, Mitch McConnell, you know, he gets reelected to his uh, leadership role essentially without a fight. What's that about? Why do we not see this kind of um, this kind of uh, a fight for the party and for leadership on the Senate side? I know it's a slower institution and more establishment, but where are the real fighters in the GOP on the, the Senate side? Where are the Ted Cruz's, for example? Yeah, they're, they're marginalized. I mean, uh, the Rick Scott and Ron Johnson, Ted Cruz, uh, wing of the party, which has you know been in power since the uh, the Tea Party movement, they have not been able uh, to muster uh, some of those establishment Republicans and tug them over to their side. And as a result, Mitch McConnell holds on to power. And it'll be a fascinating moment tomorrow. There'll be an amazing optics moment. The first meeting that Joe Biden is going to have is with Mitch McConnell uh, tomorrow after the, he gets back from his vacation, while the Republicans on the House are are uh, trying to find their leader. And so McConnell's alliances with Biden and the Democrats, which clearly were shown or laid bare in this $1.7 trillion spending bill that got thrown out at the end of the year. Uh, uh, that's going to be a dynamic. McConnell's going to be trying to make deals with 
uh, Biden and the House Republicans are going to try to be thwart to thwart the uh, Biden agenda. Uh, at some point, that is going to be a collision course for which the party is going to have to make a decision. Is Mitch McConnell really a great representative of the party of today? Or is he a representative of 20, 30 years ago uh, of where the Republican establishment is? I think that that collision course is going to happen sometime in uh, 2023. And I think we got a prelude to it when we saw how angry the House Republicans were with the deal McConnell made. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, the Republican base now is an America first base. You, you just set aside Donald Trump, with or without Donald Trump, the That's GOP right. now is an America first party. And we are absolutely sick to our stomachs over the idea of the uni party. Mitch McConnell represents the uni party probably better than anybody. And he is completely compromised by the CCP. He and his wife have done tremendous amounts of business. And in Enriched right. themselves to the nth degree by doing business with entities linked to the CCP. It's all business related uh, with regard to China. And so it takes away our ability to criticize, attack, and ultimately try to remove Joe Biden. I mean, MTG is talking about impeaching Joe Biden for a whole variety of reasons, not least of which that he is compromised by the CCP, which has poured tens of millions of dollars into the Biden family coffers. You cannot uh, go go down that line of attack with Mitch McConnell because, or, or Joe Biden rather, because Mitch McConnell and your own GOP leadership is compromised by the CCP in the same way. It is yeah. absolutely outrageous and nothing changes if the GOP leadership doesn't change. This is a source of tremendous frustration for rank and file Republican voters, as well as those that we are now electing as fresh faces coming into Congress. So I can't see, I mean, we, we are very reliant on the American America first candidates that we're sending into the U.S. Senate, but that Republican establishment leadership in the in the Senate side, in particular, they either don't know or they don't care what their base is thinking. Which one do you think it is? Well, listen, there, there's an amazing thing. Tomorrow will be the 20th year, uh, the anniversary of the 20th year that Mitch McConnell joined the Senate relation, uh, leadership in uh, January 3rd, 2003. He was elected Senate Whip for the Republicans. When he took over, the national debt stood at $6. trillion. Today, it stands at nearly $32 trillion. 80% of all the national debt that has been accrued during our 246 years as a country have been accrued on Mitch McConnell's leadership watch as a Senate leader. That is an extraordinary abomination to a party that says they're fiscal conservatives, that preaches smaller government is better. That flows from the philosophy of Barry Goldwater and Ronald Reagan. Mitch McConnell is anathema to not only the Tea Party uh, Republicans and the MAGA Republicans of today, but really anathema to most of the Republicans of the last century. He has acted inconsistent with the party's values, and he has bloated government, whether it was the monstrosity of the Homeland Security Department after 9-11, or all of the stuff that went on with the green energy, the deals that he made with Obama and Biden back then, the debt ceiling fights he refused to have. So I think when history looks back, McConnell will be really a person who set the Republicans on the wrong course when you compare it to their values, to their promises, to their RNC platform. And I think that really is beginning to eat at people. It's not just the base of the party. It's everyday Americans saying, how much more money are we going to waste? How much yes. more freebies are we going to give away? 
Yes, that's exactly right. And look, Mitch McConnell was probably, first of all, he was very effective on judicial nominees coming from Republican presidents, um, and in particular, Donald Trump. So I don't want to take that away from him. But the fact that he is so... He is so much part of the regime and, like I said, compromised in a million different directions, but he is the leader of the uni party. And that was okay maybe during the 80s and 90s when we weren't aware of what was actually going on. But you cannot take the Republican base voter off the farm and show them the big city and then expect them to go back to the farm. Our eyes are now open, thanks in large part to Donald Trump, who exposed all of this corruption and all of this compromised activity and behavior on the part of our own side, that now Mitch McConnell, his moment is long since passed, and the Republican base, as well as disaffected Democrats and a lot of independents, are just sick to their to to the nth degree, John, of the Uni Party yeah. and this kind of back scratching and and leveraging of the government and the weaponization of our own government against us. So they will have zero tolerance for Mitch McConnell continuing to play the game as it's always been played. There is a real revolt going on. And this is bubbling up from the bottom up. This is not a top-down movement. This is a bottom-up movement. And I don't know. I mean, Mitch McConnell is on thin ice if he thinks that he is going to continue to go along like business as usual. Yeah, listen, I think you're going to see this fight become more and more intense as 2023 evolves. The first thing the Republicans have to do is get their House leader, who's going to really be the speaker. Once that person is placed, I think you're going to see the House Republicans play hardball. And I had a House Republican who's in the leadership say to me, John, the problem in the last six years are we've been playing tiddlywinks as uh, Republicans and uh, the Democrats play nuclear battleship. We have to be tougher. We have to be more uh, savvy. We have to hold out. We have to be willing to shut down government to get what we want because Democrats will never stop spending, will never stop pressing uh, the liberal agenda until we create a crisis in this country. And so that this this inevitable clash between whatever whoever the House leader is going to eventually be and Mitch McConnell, it is set up. And I think in the summer and the fall, when the 2024 budget is up for uh, consideration, the appropriation bill is coming through, that's when you're going to see, I think, one of the most vibrant fights for the heart and soul of the Republican Party that we've seen in 30, 40 years, maybe going back to 64 with Goldwater, it's going to be an extraordinary moment where uh, the MAGA first, the America first MAGA and Tea Party Republicans finally exercise their power in a way that we haven't seen. Wow. So that's coming up when in the summer? The summer, yeah. The fiscal year obviously ends okay. September 30th. Yeah. And uh, as you know, Mitch McConnell took away all of the 2023 leverage in the budget. The Republicans right. can't do anything now. But uh, the border, uh, the uh, that, that you're going to see the border crisis, some of these spending bills, some of these liberal agenda items, and maybe significant holdback of FBI funding and Justice Department funding until reforms are actually imposed. Those are some of the things that my sources are telling me Republicans are willing to go to the mat to on in the House side, unlike Mitch McConnell, who's basically swept all that under the rug over the last 30 years. Well, it's going to be fascinating, but the American people 
by and large, have had enough of this kind of behavior. They really have. I mean, they're incredibly frustrated and very angry. Um, John, we've got to hit a break here, and we've covered so much with you, but I'm hoping that you will come back later this week so we can deconstruct what is going to actually happen tomorrow with the speakership race. Absolutely. All right, great. More on Wednesday. Great, great. Okay, great. We will bring you back here on the show on Wednesday and have so much more with you. John Solomon, he is the editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com. If you're not already going to that website, please do go multiple times a day. It is just, it's an extraordinary site, very easy to navigate. It's got tons of breaking news and the really important investigative work that you will not get anywhere else. Also, please check out John's show, Just The News, on Real America's Voice, and the John Solomon Reports podcast, which is fantastic as well. John, thank you so much. Monica, an honor to be with you today. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We'll be right back. What a phenomenal show this has been to kick off 2023. Just a little taste of what is coming here on the Monica Crowley podcast for the upcoming year. All right, tomorrow uh, we're going to be all over this House Speaker's race and what it means for the GOP. We're going to cover it extensively here on Wednesday. We will bring John Solomon back to break it all apart because he's the guy with the inside scoop. So Wednesday we're going to be all over this, and I've got a ton more that I didn't even get into here uh, today, which we just have no time. So we're going to do this on Wednesday and Friday, including Mitch McConnell. You just heard John Solomon talking about Mitch McConnell. I've got a laundry list of times that Mitch McConnell has sold us down the river. I want to deal with that on Wednesday. That's going to be on Wednesday's show, not to be missed. Again, nothing changes unless something changes. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And when you've got leadership that just is go along, get along, because it's enriching and empowering them and is not changing the party or the country. Look, this is why Donald Trump got the nomination the first time, got elected, and may get the nomination the second time as well, or the third time, actually. Because we are all sick and tired of the same old faces doing the same old crap time and time again, putting themselves first and not the country first. People wonder, still wonder why Donald Trump and the rise of Trump and how did it happen? This, this is how it happens. All right. So we're going to see what unfolds and then we'll come back here on Wednesday and break it all apart. Solomon will join us again for that. Um, because again, he's got all kinds of fantastic sources to tell us what really is going to go down tomorrow. Um, also, don't forget emails. We're not going to get to emails today, but please send me uh, send me a note. Let me know what's on your mind. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. And also don't forget me on social media, Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore and Twitter and true social at Monica Crowley. Okay, before we go today... Um, I just want to share a, a kind of a funny story about my friendship with Barbara Walters. 
Barbara Walters passed away uh, a couple of days ago, and she was 93. She's obviously a huge icon in American journalism and American life. Uh, she became something of a, of a uh, socialite as well. She was very much out there on the New York social scene. And I got to know her, um, again, not well, but um, a little bit. And once in a while, we would have lunch together and see each other out. And she was always so kind to me um, because I think she was very fond of me. So she used to like grab my hand, Monica, darling, how are you? And we would sit and talk for a while. And she, she was just a lovely mentor to me as well. She gave me uh, incredible and invaluable advice throughout my TV career many, many times. She'd also give me personal life advice. But when it came to TV, I'll never forget she was like, Monica, the best piece of advice I can give you with regard to television is control your lighting to the extent that you can. Control your lighting. You want warm, soft lighting. Now, in the era of the pandemic and doing hits by Skype, all of that goes out the window. It's horrible. But she was exactly right about lighting. And back in the old days, when she first started out, it, there were no such things as filters back then. So they would take Vaseline and rub Vaseline on the lens of the camera to give it a softer kind of look. I don't think they do that anymore because now there are very sophisticated filters and so on, and the technology is much better. But also the lighting, like she she had Hollywood lighting uh, design people come in and light her sets. So she was like, Monica, to the extent you can control it, control your lighting. Um, again, you got a ring light and you call it a day now, right? But Barbara was exactly right about that. But I want to share a personal story, which was so cute. Barbara was like, Monica, we have to get you a really nice guy. This was way back when. And I said, uh, sure, Barbara, yes, I, I am, I'm open to it. I'm trying to find one. Can you help me? Well, she was like, Monica, I am going to be your Jewish grandmother, and I'm going to play matchmaker. So Barbara set out, I, Barbara Walters, like she had nothing better to do, Barbara Walters set out to set me out on blind dates. And she set me up on a couple of blind dates, actually. None of, none of her choices actually worked out in the end, but every guy she chose was really nice, very smart, um, good-looking, um, successful. Every guy she chose for me was lovely, okay? So there was one time where she had a um, particularly famous guy for me, well-known guy, established guy, you would know, well, yeah, you would probably know the name, um, which I'm not going to reveal here. But she had the certain guy who was well-known in mind for me. And we were having lunch in her apartment. It was just the two of us. And we were talking about, okay, she's going to set me up with this guy. I said, okay, that's great. I'm, I'm game for anything. And so then I said to her, because I always looked to her for sartorial advice as well, because she was one of the best dressed people on the planet. I said, Barbara, what should I wear on this date? And Barbara Walters looked at me, and I, I was in her apartment for lunch, so I was dressed. 
I still have this outfit. It's a seafoam green sweater, short sleeve sweater, cashmere, with a matching seafoam green suede skirt. And I was in a nude heel. I remember the outfit to this day. So I said, Barbara, what should I wear on this date with this guy? And she looked at me and she looked at me up and down and she said, wear that. And I was like, huh, what, this, (laughs) this whole thing that I picked out of the closet? Now, she's like, wear that. She goes, you look dynamite in that. It looks like you're not trying too hard, but it's still sexy enough and clingy enough to intrigue him. Wear that. So I did. There was no relationship after that, but we had a lovely time. I think we went out a handful of times, but the outfit worked. He dug it. (laughs) So Barbara knew what she was doing. And I wanted to share that story with you because she did just pass away, and everybody's talking, obviously, about her unbelievable journalism career, which, I mean, it just goes without saying, she forged so many paths for women in television. And she interviewed everybody from Fidel Castro to big, huge Hollywood stars like Tom Cruise. She just did it all and broke a lot of glass ceilings doing it. Um, When she first was put on the set with Hugh Downs, Hugh Downs did not want a female co-host And he made her life a living hell while she was working with him. A living hell. And Barbara was tough and demanding as a boss and as a co-worker because she wanted stuff done the right way. He did not want any part of that. And so he made it very, very difficult for her. And she faced this in all kinds of ways. She started on the Today Show as a Today Show girl, etc. She did it all. But she paid a lot of prices and made a lot of sacrifices for that achievement. So while everybody is talking about that, and and that's fantastic, I wanted to share that little personal story with you about Barbara Walters, the friend, and Barbara Walters, the woman, and Barbara Walters, the matchmaker. So our big condolences to her family, particularly her daughter, Jacqueline, um, and to everybody who uh, really cared deeply about Barbara Walters. Total icon right there. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We're going to see you right back here on Wednesday with a brand new show. We're going to take apart the fight within the Republican Party, not just for the speakership, but for going forward into 2024 and what all of this means. We're going to talk Mitch McConnell and uh, the McLeadership. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of things, so you're going to want to be here for that. Big shows coming up here on the Monica Crowley podcast. Thank you so much for joining me and for checking out our fantastic sponsors. We all really appreciate that. Have a great start to your week and start to your year. And I will see you right back here on Wednesday. 